You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Christmas is certainly upon us. We did the party crawl yesterday, and hey, it was good. And, um, you know, Pastor Nate spoke last week. He challenged us to bring our awkward present stories. I don't have one. I don't know if that means, I don't know if I've been the giver of an awkward present. Don't tell me if I have, so I don't want to know. But I do actually have an awkward name story that I that kind of fit in with where we're going today. And so I thought I'd share that with you. And because my mum will probably listen to the podcast, I need to put a disclaimer that this is not some unmet hurt inside of me and I have got over this and it's not significant, but it's kind of funny. So amongst our siblings, um, we had a bit of a joke about our names. Um, So I have an older brother named Ben or Benjamin and I have a younger sister named Naomi. And you know, if you look up their names, the meaning of their names, my brother, it's a good, strong Hebrew name um, and it's defined as son of the right hand or son of the south. And you know, it's from um, Benjamin, who's the son of Jacob, and it's got references to the southern tribe of Israel, but also son of the right hand was considered this position of strength for a king. So, you know, it's a good, strong biblical name with a great identity in it. And then we've got my sister, Naomi. And if you look up again, lovely biblical name, um, and it means pleasant or it means sweet. And it's got a beautiful story in the Bible. Bible as well. Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth, who eventually the story plays out that she marries Boaz and, you know, she becomes great-grandmother to, the, to Jesus. You know, she's in the lineage of Jesus. And then there's me. And my name is Melanie. It's not in the Bible. It's not Hebrew. It's Greek and it means blackness. That's what my name means. And if you're being kind... Um, it, can be, it can be defined as dark. So my dad used to tell me, oh, you're my dark-skinned beauty. And I went, Dad, that's not what it means. <laughs> it means blackness. So there was a joke amongst us siblings that I would be the black sheep of the family. Um, but I have proven them wrong. I um, did not grow up to be that. But maybe it was a subconscious reaction in me. But I was very deliberate. And look, I married a Simon Peter, like you can't get much better than that if I, unless I married Jesus or I married Paul or something. But anyway, Simon Peter. So we were very deliberate about naming, about the meanings behind the names that we gave our children. And we wanted to give them biblical names that spoke of what we believed God had put in our hearts about their identity. And it might've been a slightly romanticized view that, you know, even while I'm disciplining my kids, I'm calling out their created purpose and their identity. And it doesn't always feel like that, but I will say that I love it. I love every time I say their names, I've got my Zaki in here today, you know, and he means God has remembered. You know, God will always remember you, Zach. And whenever I speak that out over him, that's who he's created to be. He's going to be someone that's on God's mind because God's got great purposes for him. And so these verses that we're reading is exactly what the prophet Isaiah is doing over this child who we know will become Jesus. So he is speaking out the created identity purpose that God had for this child. And what we get to do over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas is actually unpack what those names mean. Because when we unpack them, 
like Pastor Nate said, we actually understand the value of Jesus as a gift. So if you can turn in your Bibles, we're going to go to Isaiah 9.6. Now, I'm actually going to read from the New King James Version today because um, there's just something in it that I like. But if you've got a different version, read along and it will be up on the screen as well. So Isaiah 9.6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now there's some incredible names in there. And to be honest, you could spend an entire month just unpacking one name. That was my problem in this sermon. There is a whole lot of this sermon that will never ever be preached because there is too much to speak about in just this title. But it's not just, you know, some nice flattery that Isaiah is speaking over this child, but this is God-inspired truth over who this child will be. And, you know, Pastor Nate spoke last week that the nature of a gift is discovered in its function. So when we understand the function of Jesus, then we really understand the value of that gift. And here's the good thing for us. We've got hindsight. For the Israelites, they had to trust that this child was going to be everything that Isaiah said that he would be. But we've seen it. We have seen the life of Jesus. He has actually fulfilled everything that Isaiah spoke. So our challenge is not actually to believe it. Our challenge is to remember, always remember, the value of the gift that we have been given in Jesus as these functions. So today we're going to be having a look at this first title and it's Wonderful Counselor. You know, I, I just, I like how in the New King James Version here, it actually separates them out because I just wanted to camp a little bit on wonderful first because I really feel that to understand the title wonderful informs our understanding then of him as our wonderful counsellor. And, you know, back in the Hebrew, there wasn't punctuation and wonderful. We kind of use it today. You know, I had a wonderful time at the party I went to yesterday or isn't that person wonderful? We've kind of dulled it down to be like a nice, it's pleasant, it was delightful. But that's not actually what wonderful is. And you get a bit of a clue when you think where it comes from, which is wonder. And, you know, it was defined in Hebrew as a miracle. It's a miracle. Wonderful comes from the noun miracle. It's a person or a created thing of such an extraordinary nature that it makes it difficult to comprehend. And you know, elsewhere this word is used to describe the wonders of God. So in, oh, you read through Psalms, it's constantly talking about the wonders of God. You know, in Psalm 89.5, it says, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord. And in Exodus 15.11, Moses and the Israelites sing this song, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And so Isaiah is telling us that this child that is coming, this child is going to be a miracle. It's not just that they're going to do miracles, but the child itself, himself, is a miracle. And that his birth is going to be this miraculous breakthrough for the Israelites. You know, he speaks um, earlier, if you go back to verse 4, Isaiah says, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders and the rod of the oppressor. And sometimes we can skip over these verses because you may not know what the day of Midian's defeat was, but this is actually the story of Gideon. Now in the time of Gideon, 
the Israelites were oppressed. And there was this Midianite people who were much larger than them. And there was no hope for the Israelites. They did not feel that they could ever escape from this oppression. And God finds Gideon, who is a hero in no man's time. He's not a hero at all. And he doesn't think of himself as a hero. And God finds him and tells him, you're going to defeat these Midianites. And so they get this army and God reduces the army to 300 men. So there's 300 men and Gideon against this entire Midianite army. And God's doing this because He wanted to show that the victory over them was going to be because of the miracle of God. It's His mighty power. And they surround them with just trumpets and clay pots and torches. And as they blow the trumpets, the Midianites completely freak out. They run away and they actually turn on each other and defeat one another. And Israel has this incredible victory and it's all glory going to God because God was the one that saved them. And so the reason Isaiah is linking these together is because he's saying, just like I saved you then, when you had no hope, I came through with a miracle. Now this child is actually the miraculous breakthrough that you've been waiting for. And it's not just about saving you from an army this time but it's actually your eternal salvation. This one's gonna shatter the rod of the oppression forever and ever and ever. Never again will you be oppressed. So the birth of Jesus was this incredible miracle. And I just feel that first and foremost, particularly as we come in now to this celebration of Jesus and His birth, and we get in the middle of this Christmas season, we have to remember, if you take nothing more from today, Jesus is wonderful. That is the most precious value of the gift of Jesus. He is wonderful. Before anything that He does, He is the miracle. And everybody needs this miracle. And we have this miracle. This is the value that we have. Now, I've seen some pretty amazing wonders in my time. And I grew up in North Queensland. So I've had the blessing of going to the Great Barrier Reef many times. And it is wonderful. Absolutely amazing. The, the delicate balances and the ecosystems and the fish. There's just so many colours and designs and it's incredible. And some of you might have travelled the world and you may have seen incredible wonders, man-made wonders, natural wonders, but absolutely nothing compares to the wonder of Jesus. And that's the value. We can become sometimes so familiar with a gift that we actually forget its value. So all of you today after the service need to give your spouse an extra hug or your good friend or your children because they're actually gifts to you. But sometimes familiarity makes us forget the value that we have in them. And it's the exact same with Jesus Church. Always, we've got to wake up in the morning and we've got to go, Jesus, you are wonderful. The fact that you died for me, that you're in my world is an incredible miracle. And I'm so thankful for that. Are we with me, church? This is good. So in Proverbs 9.10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we are about to look at Jesus as our counsellor and we're going to look at how He advises us with godly wisdom. But the beginning of that counsel is the reverence at the miracle of Jesus. So once we get that and we get the awe of God, you can walk in His counsel because you've actually seen His wonder and you're ready to receive that. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Okay, so what does it actually look like for Jesus 
to be this wonderful counsellor that the prophet Isaiah is speaking about. Now, when there are many counsellors out there and many different types of counsellors. You may have gone and experienced help from a counsellor um, and they are a good and a wise um, decision to make. We all need counsel in our lives. Nobody can do life without counsel and the value of human counsel in our worlds is really important and we all have these people in our lives. But did you know that? So there's twofold meaning to the name counsellor. There's this Hebrew meaning, which is about advising. So it kind of likens it to a king's advisor. So it's somebody who had wisdom, would give direction, they'd give guidance, um, they often taught, they had authority, and so they would advise people or advise the king in the way to go. But then the other side of the coin when we're talking about counsellor is this Greek definition of comforter, encourager. It's our advocate, it's a strengthener, it's someone who exhorts. So when we speak about Jesus as this wonderful counsellor, we get to see this amazing twofold function where he acts as providing wisdom and direction in our life on this hand, but on this other side, he's also this friend who is incredibly close to us and deeply invested in your well-being. He's deeply invested in seeing that the wisdom he's provided you over here actually gets outworked in your life over here and He will walk with you to enable you and empower you and encourage you to do that. It's amazing. So we're going to have a look at the life of Jesus and we're going to see how He did that when He walked on this earth so then we can apply it to ourselves. Amen. So Jesus is the wonderful counsellor, firstly, for us. Now, if we're looking at this, what do we mean? If you look at the life of Jesus, like if you take the time to look through the Gospels in here, the problem is that there is too much information about Jesus being the wonderful counsellor in providing advice and providing teaching, direction and truth. So the life of Jesus is an example of a life that was lived in complete wisdom, perfect direction, perfect decision making. He brought all truth, all knowledge, all understanding. You can't find fault he led people in the right direction. He showed them how to make the best decisions. And he didn't just teach good ideas. Like he didn't just come up with nice philosophical concepts or warm and fuzzy ideals, but he actually taught as one who had authority. And his teaching came with power and he lived the truth that he taught perfectly at all times and in all circumstances. And he's the wonderful counsellor before us because he didn't live by human wisdom. But what He brings to us is supernatural wisdom. He brings to us the wisdom of God. You know, there have been many, many, many good, wise, kind men and women, good, kind-hearted leaders who have counselled others in the path of life. And there are many religions out there that have a figure that guides them into their truth. But there is no other man that has ever lived that is taught with the authority that Jesus did, who lived the perfect life that Jesus did and who demonstrated the power of God in His life and His death and His resurrection. There is nobody who has ever had the wisdom that Jesus demonstrated to us. There is nobody that had the authority that was unquestioned, 
There is nobody that demonstrated the power that didn't just happen once or twice or a few times, but every single time that Jesus outworked the truth that He brought, there was power and there was authority from heaven demonstrating that He was who He said He was and that He would do what He said He would do. You know, we have to settle in our hearts that the counsel of Jesus is the best counsel that you could ever, ever access. It's not just one of a few options, but it is the most perfect, always right, faithful and life-giving counsel that you will ever receive. And you have access to that counsel every moment of your life. That is a wonder in and of itself. And it's beyond our understanding. But, you know, sometimes people might read the truth in the Word of God and kind of go, well, that's a little bit hard. And I'm not sure if that's quite relevant to where we're at today because society has changed a lot and things have moved on. And um, maybe, maybe that was right back then, but I'm not so sure now. And if we start letting those thoughts in, then it affects our ability to interact with Him as this wonderful counsellor and uh, as the, all the wisdom of God. And I, I think, this is what I believe, if you were there when Jesus, with God and the Holy Spirit, were writing out the entirety of your life, if you could have seen the end here from the beginning, there would be absolutely nothing in your world that you would have cause to question. It would be perfect. You would see the way that it all links in and what God is doing from the beginning to the end. And there would be no reason for you to actually object to the truth that God is wanting to release into your life. Like, do we actually stop and think about that? Because sometimes we get caught up in all that we can see. But you need to know that God's counsel and, the, and He speaks through Jesus. So the way that Jesus brings wisdom into our world always works out to the plan He's got for you. And it's always the best one for you. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And in Colossians 2, 2-3, it says that they, which is you, may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, as I was going through the Word this week, there's way too many examples to show you of how God sent and, and worked out His wisdom through Jesus when He walked on this earth. But it started as a young boy and his parents lose him when they go to the Passover in Jerusalem. And as they come back, they find him sitting in the temple teaching. And the, the men are amazed at his questions and his understanding because this was a boy who was learning to live out the wisdom of God that was in him. And later on, wherever he taught, it said that people were amazed because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So the teachers of the law would teach and they would base their teaching on the authority of others. So as the prophet Moses said, or as some other rabbis said, there was always a reason that backed up what they were saying, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus just taught because he had the authority of God behind him. And you know, at that time, the Pharisees were, were the religious wisdom of the day. And time and time again, they tried to trick Jesus up. They tried to get him to contradict himself or his word or his claims. And time and time again, Jesus had this superior wisdom that confounded them. 
and it got to the point where he turned the tables on them and he asked them a question and they can't answer. And I love it because in Matthew 22, it says, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Their religious wisdom had been completely dismantled by the superior wisdom of Jesus. And this is the one who you have as your wonderful counsellor to guide you through life. How good is that? I wanted to share an example of when we were starting out our business. So it was in our home and my husband having great vision as he does, went and hired someone from Melbourne who was moving down to us to this centre that we didn't have. And so two months before Christmas, we're rushing around and we're trying to find this building so that we can move out of the house. And um, we decided when we started the business that we wanted this business to be built on kingdom principles always. So we're always gonna do it the way that God said to do it. And so what happens is when you wanna get a commercial building, you need a DA, a development application from council to say that you can run your business in that building. And so we learned very quickly that you find the building that you want and then you go to council to get the DA and by the time, well actually you never even got it, that building had already been snapped up by somebody else. And we kept getting told, ah, oh, this is just, you don't do it that way, just do it the other way, you just get the building and you can worry about the DA later, in fact you may not even need the DA, this is just the way that everybody does it. It's just the way that it's done. And even very well-meaning, very good people don't worry about doing it that way, just, just go with this path. But we had decided, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to follow what we believe is, um, has integrity and is the way that God wants us to build our business. And we are getting down to the wire like two weeks before Christmas and we have no building. But then God provides this building that we signed a lease like two days before Christmas um, and the DA came through in like a week or it was just over a week, which anybody who works anything in council is a miracle that you get it that fast and at Christmas time when everybody's not there anyway. And so it was the hand of God just absolutely providing for us and we had the building open for when the new person came to start working for us. Now you might go, hallelujah, end of story there. But here's the thing, and this is where the wisdom of Jesus kicks in. That building, we started with a quarter of the building. That was 11 years ago. And then after a few years, we grew and then some other tenants moved out and we took over half the building. And then we grew again and we took over some more of the building to the point that where we are now, we are renting the entire building. Now I look and I go, all we were looking for was what we needed 11 years ago. But Jesus, knew what we needed 11 years ago and what we needed now. Because to move commercial properties four times over that time would have cost us so much money and not been great for the business. So the wisdom of Jesus, because we trusted in Him and followed not human wisdom, but what we knew God was telling us, set us up for where we are today. And that is the counsel of Jesus. You don't have to find it. You have to hear me on that. You don't find the wisdom. You just got to follow it. He'll tell you it. It's in the Word here. You just got to follow it. And not only did Jesus speak this wisdom, but He absolutely showed us how to live in the truth. You know, there's nothing that Jesus ever taught that He didn't show us how to live. And so we get to follow that example today. But here's the other side of the coin. Jesus is wonderful counsellor with us. So Jesus is not a detached deity out there 
above humanity that gave us a whole bunch of instructions and then said, there you go, humans, make it work. See how you go with that. What Jesus did is He actually came down to earth. He lived as a man for us. He showed us how to live. And then He said, and I'll do it with you for all time. I'll take that wisdom that I've got. And if you choose to tap in and engage with me right where I'm at, I will walk with you through everything that you are going through. Jesus is with us. You need to hear, some people need to hear that today. Wherever you're at, Jesus is with you. He's walked in your shoes. In Philippians 2, 5 to 7, it says, Though He was God, He did, this is Jesus, Jesus did not think equality with God as something to cling to, but instead He gave up His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I love it. That's the mark of Christianity, that Jesus, He came and He lived as a man for us and He died for us. And then He walks with us through His Spirit today so that we can actually outwork the things that He's asked us to do and and the way, the best life, the best path that He's got for us. Wherever you are at, Jesus understands you. You've got to know that He gets you. He gets you actually better than you get yourself. And sometimes we can feel like if only you knew, if only people knew the things that had happened in my world and why I feel the way that I feel. And the thing is, Jesus does. If you look at his life and I mean, we, we just get this small glimmer of his, you know, ministry time, but he was betrayed. He was falsely accused. He was gossiped about. He was severely unappreciated and he was forgotten to be thanked on numerous occasions. He was lonely. He was worn out by need. He gave of himself. He experienced, you know, extreme physical pain. He was overwhelmed by grief. He lost his friends. His family abandoned him early on. You know, he was mocked, he was bullied. And in the end, he was sacrificed for a people who did not even love him. Whatever you experience, you need to know that Jesus has experienced too. And he doesn't sit up here looking down in judgment on you, but he's actually right beside you, empathising with you and going, hey, I get it, but I also know how to walk through it. Would you let me help you? walk to the other side of this because I know that there's great life there. How amazing. He experienced all of our temptations. Amen. He knows, church, what's in your heart and He just, He encourages and He empowers you. I love, so He's come, He's lived on earth, He's died, He's come back to His disciples and He's about to go up to heaven and they're grieved because they recognise the value of the gift. They recognise the value that's in Jesus. And they're saying, but I don't know how to do life, Jesus, if you're going to go away. But Jesus says to them, no, don't be afraid. In John 16, 13, because I'm going to send you when He, this Spirit of truth, this Spirit of Jesus, when He comes, He's going to guide you into all truth. And He's saying, this is a great thing because I'm a physical man. I'm limited by physical capacity here, but I'm going to send you my Spirit and that Spirit is going to walk with you always for all people at all times. And this is the same Spirit that lives in you when you accept Jesus into your heart. You know, He will guide you. He doesn't ask you to do something that you can't do. He gives you the power to outwork the wisdom that He's got for your life. And He sees who you are and He calls it out of you. As I was praying for you this week, church, I just felt that some of you need to know that He sees who you are. 
He sees your created identity and your created purpose and He's calling it out of you. And He's saying, I've got the path of life for you. This is the wisdom and direction and I'm right with you. And you think you can't walk that, but you absolutely can because I'm going to encourage and I'm going to empower you. I am the wonderful counsellor who is for you and I'm with you. You know... Before I finish today and as we were thinking about, I was thinking about this last night and I could stand here today and I could preach the best theological sermon on why, you know, Jesus is the wonderful counsellor and it's really easy. As I said, there's too much in here that proves otherwise. He is the wonderful counsellor. He has all wisdom. He's for us. He gives us that wisdom and He's with us, but it doesn't actually mean anything unless you know Him as your wonderful counsellor. You know, Jesus is the greatest wonder that there ever was. And He came to earth and He has all wisdom and all power that He wants to speak into your life. And, and we can know about that. And we can walk away from here today going, oh, I feel comforted in knowing that God is the wonderful counsellor. That is a great theological understanding of that. But Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus wants you to actually know Him as the wonderful counsellor. The value of His gift is outworked in the function within your life. But you, we... We have to invite Him. We have to give Him the space and the access and choose to actually listen and obey the counsel that He gives to us. If we go back to the beginning and we remember that Jesus, His way is perfect, right? His way for your life is perfect. If you could see Him writing out your life, you would see that He has the very best for you. So for some of us, it takes a position of going, God, I'm gonna trust you doesn't look like it, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to choose to actually let you into this space and I'm going to choose to follow your counsel. You know, I had a, I had a beautiful conversation with someone in the church this morning and they just shared a story of them walking out this reality that we're talking about today. They have an incredibly hard situation in their family and they didn't know what to say and they didn't know what to do. But what they did know is Jesus and they know Him as their wonderful counsellor. And I was so encouraged hearing their story because what they did was they chose to lean in and go, God, I got nothing, but I've got You. What do You want to speak through me? How do I act? What do I say? How do I be? And the beautiful thing is that God created events and opportunities that they could never have made themselves, but they were just available. And when the opportunities came, they did what He told them to do. And there's gonna be incredible fruit that comes out of that story. There's ripple effects that they might never ever see, but that are so significant and so important. We've got to know Him as our wonderful counsellor. Throughout His life, Jesus guided anybody, anybody who would listen and obey. I was really struck by two stories in the Bible that show how we can choose to engage in Him as wonderful counsellor or we can choose to pull back. There's a story of the Samaritan woman at the well and there's a story of a rich young ruler. And in both of these stories, they come to Jesus and they ask a question 
And Jesus sees straight into their heart. He sees the secret longings that they have and He actually speaks truth into that. And the lady at the well accepts it. She embraces that He is the Messiah. She gets so excited. She goes and tells her whole town and it says that many in that town were saved. Her life was saved as well as many around her. And we don't know the rest of that story, but I've got to believe that she had a completely transformed life because she engaged in Him as the wonderful counsellor. But we see the sadness in the rich young ruler who gets the same wisdom of God, but chooses not to engage in it and not to follow it. And instead he walks away sad and he walks away unchanged. The wisdom of God, church, is available for all of us, but it's our choice whether we choose to walk in it. And it's our choice whether we choose to know the Spirit who is right beside you. He is constantly, he's re- we sung that song, He's relentless for you, reckless love, continually pursuing you. So even up to this point, if you've pushed Him away, it doesn't matter. He is still pursuing you. And all it takes is today to go, you know what? You are my wonderful counsellor and I'm gonna choose to engage in you. I'm gonna listen to your counsel. And even though it's hard, I'm gonna believe that on the other side of that is the best that you've got for me. It is such a wonderful gift we have in Jesus. You know, and you might be here today and I don't wanna miss an opportunity that, that you don't know Jesus. And He's your wonderful counsellor. He wants to be in your world and the Gospel message is simple in that we are separated from God because of our sin, but He sent this Son, Jesus, that you have heard so much about today. And He died for your sins so that, you know, your relationship with God can be restored. And when we choose to believe that and to accept Him and just to ask Him to come and be our Lord and just to learn to follow Him, you don't have to understand it all. That's the wonder of Jesus. I don't understand it all. I'm still learning new and new things about this incredible Saviour of mine, but I know that I know that I know that He's changed my life, that He's transformed me and that today's your opportunity just to start that process and say, hey, I wanna get to know Him. And there's something about just that public declaration of it. I love that story about the Samaritan woman because she not only found the Messiah, but she shouted it from her rooftops that she'd found Him because she saw the value of the gift in Him. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.